Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All righty. Welcome to uh, warm Florida-like Pittsburgh, at least uh, until 5 or 6 uh, o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, We have our full group here. It's been a while. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk some Steeler football. Uh, what we saw uh, Monday night, and what we will see uh, against the Raiders, one of the most storied rivalries in in uh, NFL history. Of course, that story rivalry um, probably more apt uh, uh, 40, 50 years ago, but um, still, it's been close. I mean, in in the 21st century, they played 13 times. Uh, Raiders winning seven, Steelers winning six. So. Um, it's it's still a still a close and certainly nice to think of those classic games of of old. Can I say old? Is that a does that make me seem old? Nah, that's good. All right. At least you didn't say olden times. <laughs> I'm gonna say that before the half hour's up. <laughs> yeah, we will. You've just you've just challenged me. You know, even to go in olden times, I've worn my 1979 Pirate uh, World Championship hat to remind me of better times. So, all right. Tonight we're going to we're going to look at uh, the Steeler offense which in in my estimation I didn't think was much improved as most of their offense came on three plays. Um other than that it was uh it was a fairly frustrating uh uh, uh game to watch, but uh I'm going to go to you Mr. Draft 412. Um how did you think that Steeler offense looked in week two compared to the debacle against San Francisco. You know, not much better. I mean, the defense outscored them. Uh, if you count the, the two field goals, the kicker tied them. Um, 
you know, I am just as disappointed as everybody else. I mean, especially after the performance they put in in the preseason, everybody saw progress. And, and I think that, that I think that shows the casual fan how limiting, um, you know, the optics are in, in, in preseason for any of these teams. And the, in many cases, you're really not seeing what you should be seeing. Uh, and they're playing vanilla offenses and not giving anything away. And, you know, and so it's it's a glorified scrimmage in many respects, except for perhaps that last game. And that last game, I guess Atlanta was 28 to nothing before they it was even they were at halftime. So, you know, none of those players were playing beyond that. You know, and I think that the most disappointing thing about it is, you know, look, they started out the season against two of the league's toughest defenses. There's no doubt. I mean, playing against San Francisco, playing against Cleveland. Um, I, I just I wish I would I was seeing more progression from our offensive coordinator and the offensive line. I saw a stat today uh, that said that the, the Steelers have zero yards before contact on the ground, meaning that the the running backs, whether it's Warren or Harris, can't even get to the line of scrimmage before they're hit. Wow. Uh, and, and two games in, that's a ridiculous stat. And for all the money and all the hype and all the expectation for the changes in the offensive line, in the end, they've really only replaced one guy, and that was at left guard. Um, they're still playing the left tackle they had last year. They're still playing the right tackle they had last year. They went out and traded up and got a first-round draft pick to play left tackle. They haven't moved him into play either. Uh, and I realize that inexperience, you don't want to throw him to the wolves. You got Bosa in week one and you know Miles Garrett in week two. But I don't think he could have done any worse. Uh, and whether it was in the run game or the passing game, uh, and I think that that's made a difference. The play calling has been very vanilla. Uh, again, that might be a, a result of the offensive coordinator and or expectations on the quarterback. But I think they thought they were taking the reins off of Kenny. And But if you're behind 30 to 7, you're throwing the ball all the time and they can just tee off on you. And I just – I have not – even though that, that Browns game was close, um, it was only close because the defense kept them in the game, you know, scoring those those two touchdowns. Outside of that, they it was anemic. They couldn't move the ball. And I saw very little progress, if any, uh, from game one to two. Cool. Uh, Emmett, let me let me throw this at you. Um, do you think the offense was improved enough that if TJ doesn't score that touchdown, it, it's able to drive down and, and win that game? No. Uh, and like just about everyone that has observed, it's it's it almost on the coordinator. Uh, just no imagination. Uh, and you look at the time of possession and you look at right now, the Steelers uh, easily in three and outs. Uh, um, there, there's just nothing to indicate that this team, uh, if they get down early by any significant amount, has any hope of coming back uh, as things are currently co- uh, constituted. Uh, I'm sure we all had our favorite play where we, we lost our damn mind watching the game. Uh, I think mine was the, the, the third and one RPO uh, where, where Pickett uh, was thrown for a two-yard loss. I, uh, I, I generally not one that gets vocal or, or demonstrative during a game, but I was um, there were a few expletives uh, unleashed uh, at my home at, at that play call. And um, just if, if it weren't for the defense uh, and the 
two defensive scores predicted by someone on this panel uh, that had not occurred. Um, it's just, it's frustrating to watch, but the good, the good news is, you know, critics of Kenny Pickett can no longer hope to hang the mantle of worst quarterback in the uh, AFC North on him. That's Deshaun Watson and it's by a mile. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me throw that by you, JT. I mean, my thought was Kenny was not the worst quarterback on, on the field that night. Um, so twofold. Talk about uh, um, Deshaun. Well, we'll talk about Deshaun on the next question. Tell me your impressions. To me, the thing that could have blown this game was that third and one call um, late as the Steelers. I mean, Kenny was 11 for 11, uh, just going over center uh, on such short calls in his career. What the hell was that? The third one late in the game. I don't know why, why they called that, honestly. Um, I, I think Kenny early in the game, I think Kenny's getting to the point now where he's he's trying to make stuff happen. I think his interception was because of that. He almost threw that second interception on the sideline. He was trying to sneak it in. Um, the guy has no time. Uh, the running backs have no time. I, I saw some great stats today that are mind-boggling. The Steelers only averaged 19.6 yards per drive on the season, which is by far the worst in the NFL. So that means, you know, take all their drives, 19.6 yards is what they're getting out of a drive. Um, eight offensive points um, on average, a lot worse in the NFL. Um, we, we've only got 96 rushing yards. We've given up 386. So that's that's the difference in the rushing yards. Um, I don't know what, what they're trying to do on offense. Um, I'm not. I'm not sold that Najee Harris should be the, the to be the cowbell, but I don't think Jalen Warren is either. Um, the offensive line's just ridiculously bad right now. Um, can't can't. I mean, like like Joe said, zero yards per contact. You're seeing that. I mean, I think the only plays you really see are like that that are splash plays or when they get the ball out in the open to um, Jalen Warren, let him like at the the play that stood out to me that I was like, oh my gosh, it was the third and eighteen where Jalen Warren caught that little uh, screen pass and got 16 yards like it was nothing. Um, just missed getting the first time there. And it's like, I, I, we really, I mean, the other thing that I saw stat-wise was amazing. When the, when the Steelers are in a shotgun, they throw the ball 82% of the time, which is the highest in the NFL. When they're under center right now, this season, when they're under center, they run the ball 90% of the time. So you're already tipping your hand for one. And your offensive line struggling two, twofold. So they got to they got to make some changes. They got to they got to change things up. They got they got a lot a lot of work to do to even get respectable. Yeah. Um, we'll talk the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Cleveland had four hundred and eight total yards. You know, I know Chubb wasn't in there in the second half, but I, I do like adjustments that they seem to make, except for, you know, one uh, uh, one blown tackle, which caused the the one long uh, uh, run of the game. Emmett, how do you grade the, the Steeler defense uh, in week two? Well, considering that they've won the game, I'm, I'm going to give them – I can't give them an A because of the total yards surrendered, but I'll give them a B plus. 
Uh, I still am very, I mean, I shouldn't say concerned. I'm, I'm surprised at the linebackers. I mean, why did the Steelers go out and get these particular linebackers to address the run? And they got trucked, uh, you know, even after Chubb was gone. Uh, but, you know, how much of that also is because their quarterback, to reiterate, is terrible. This guy's just awful. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's it, it's a lot easier to make plays when the quarterback's not even trying to be competitive. He's not trying to run to escape uh, when he needs to make a play. If it's not there, you know, he's throwing it 10 yards out of bounds. So, but, uh, you know, again, they were the reason that the Steelers won the game. Uh, and are one and one, and it had that you know the season has a whole different tint to it than if they hadn't played the way they did and they were staring at zero and two. JT, I was going to ask you this is part of it, but we'll we'll keep it on the defense. Um, talk about the crap fest that is the uh, Browns quarterback situation, and notice I used a nice a nice word, um, but uh, talk about that. And um, was that the Steeler defense, or is this guy just uh, the the Chris Archer of uh, of uh, NFL trades? I I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think the Steelers defense did put pressure on him, but I do think, uh, from what Emmett said as well, like they he he hesitates to throw, doesn't run when he should. There's a couple times he could have ran for a first down in his sleep and got the first down on the Steelers. Um, he did lead the game in uh, face masks, so I'll give him that. He was the, the game leader in face masks, which I don't know if I've ever seen a, a game where a quarterback led in uh, personal fouls, but he pulled that one off. He just looks disinterested, honestly. I mean, it's it's Cleveland, and it's going to go down. I've already seen people talk about it. It could go down as the worst transaction in sports history when it's all said and done for the money they gave up and um, – it's it's just another another notch on the Cleveland uh, quarterback bed. It's it's pretty bad. I mean, I, I wasn't impressed with him at all. I mean, um, he made a couple sideline passes here and there that brought up first. I remember a couple times he had like third and sixteen. Uh, he found the guy behind, like I think Elijah Moore or it was Cooper behind the defense. That was a defensive fault there. But other than that, I mean, I had no I had no worries about him. Um, lead them down the field. I mean, if it wasn't for that long run, they really didn't put too, together too much of drives. Do, do you realize if they cut him after the year, if he's that bad, they get literally their whole salary cap taken with his uh, his dead space. Uh, Chris Fletcher looked that up last night. Wow. $272 million would go <laughs> against the salary cap if they cut him after this year. So obviously that's not a worry. Um, Joe, going forward, um, A, were you happy with what you saw from the Steeler defense? And B, is this something you think can can lead them going forward? Uh, I think this is exactly what I expected from the Steelers defense. Um, they are better at pass defense. Um, look, it's hard to judge them. Brock Purdy, um, for me, the jury is still out on him. He's just playing on an excellent team and he's managing to play very well for them. So it's hard to argue against that. He's, his passing is accurate and 
he's managing a very talented team and, and did very well against this defense, which is the most expensive defense yet again in the NFL. Um, this past game, they clearly turned it up a notch. I have to, my hat's off to Emmett. I think Emmett hit the nail on the head. Uh, some of this is on the quarterback. Um, you know, you know, Deshaun Watson did not have a good outing. Uh, but, you know, this Browns team is, is talented. I mean, Amari Cooper is a top 25 receiver. Um, I know he might not be as flashy uh, as some others, but the, the guy is an incredibly good receiver. We saw some of that uh, on, on Monday night. Uh, they went out and traded a second-round draft pick to get Elijah Moore. And Elijah Moore is, even though he hasn't maybe lived up to expectation when he was playing for the Jets, the idea was to try to get this guy the ball, and they threw it to him, and it reminded me of uh, of the Bub Means first game of the season. I mean, it was like 0 for 11. I mean, they, they just could not get the ball in his hands that, in, except for one end around. Uh, and the guy's got talent. He's got speed. They should try to do that. Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, who's a stealer killer. Like, all of these guys – are, are credible and make that offense more than adequate. Um, and I think the defense did a good job and, and, and sort of, sh- I don't want to say shutting them down, but they, you know, they, they bent and didn't break uh, and they scored uh, which, which was fine. Now we go into a little stretch here where the, the competition might not be as fierce, you know, this game against the Vegas Raiders on, on Sunday night, um, maybe we'll, with the exception of Devontae Adams, that they're, I'm not sure, uh, or maybe I guess you could say Josh Jacobs um, is is a good back. And this team still, again, to the earlier points made, still does not stop the run well. Uh, whether it was the money they spent on the inside linebacker, you know, line change, or um, without Cam Hayward and some downtime with Larry Ogunjobi, they still are they're missing something there. They just haven't been able to do it and. McCaffrey, yeah, best back in the league. Nick Chubb, second best back in the league. You're going to give up yards to these guys. Josh Jacobs kicked butt last year, and he's got his one-year deal, and um, we'll see what he does against them this week and if they get any better. I was impressed with Keanu Benton. I think DeMarvin Leal is coming along uh, a little bit better, but you can see that they're, they're missing not only the play but the leadership of Cam Hayward. I think that that hurts them, but – you know, all in all, I mean, they, they won the game for the Steelers, so you got to give them an A, but I put a minus after that because that 408 yards is still – that stings. There were actually times at the beginning of the game that I noticed they only had two defensive linemen in there and five linebackers, so it, it tells me they weren't real confident about uh, Cam's replacements early on. They, they went more to them as the game went on and actually improved, but I thought that was kind of a strange, strange setup early in the game. Um, JT, you tell me what you'd like to see from the running back tandem. I like to see, I I like to see some holes get open for one, but I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big Najee Harris fan. I I was when we first drafted him and as, as the years have went by, I just, the guy does not hit holes hard. Um, for as big as he is, he seems easy to tackle. Um, the times that we seem to have good runs. With, with Warren, especially Warren seems to, to pop through a hole. I mean, he, he hits a hole and gets through it. He gets four or five yards. Um, I know, I know he had 10 carries for 43 yards last game, which I was shocked. He had a 4.3 average. Najee did. He had a couple decent runs at the end. Um, 
they got to figure it out. I mean, 96 yards in two games, and you want to be a team that runs the ball. That ain't that's not going to work out, and uh, that just makes the passing uh, for Kenny Pickett that much harder. You got to have a good, got to have a good, uh, got to have a good tandem of running and passing. And um, I just don't know if Najee Harris is. I, mean, I don't think Najee Harris is going to get his fifth year contract. Put it that way. I don't think he's playing towards it. Uh, I'd be shocked if they give him his. Uh, they 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 give him the rookie deal, but um. They got to figure something out. I don't know if it's spreading the defense out and getting, like I said, when when Warren gets the ball out in the open, he seems all right. Like you know, getting a swing pass or even even uh taking a sweep, running a sweep. But for, for some reason, Najee for most of the time gets that ball, and you see a little bit of a hole, but he just seems to find the contact instead of getting away from the contact. He just seems to run into contact, and um, it's painful sometimes to watch for a guy that big not to be able to, you know. Break through a break through a couple uh, tackles. Yeah, I mean he had forty three yards on ten carries, but thirty seven of them were on two. So the other eight yeah, carries, yeah. he he had six yards. So yeah, not that makes one. that makes sense to me. That, that's what it looked like. I mean, that first half he wasn't moving the ball at all. No, no, he broke off a twenty and a seventeen on those two consecutive, and then it was nothing other than that. But um, so, uh, uh, Mister Joe, does he do enough to be your um, starting guy, or do you want to see more of Warren? No, I think Najee's just better than Warren. Uh, you know, I think Najee sometimes is victim to what's playing out in front of him. I think the offensive line and his injury last year hampered him. I think the offensive line to date is still hampering him. I think he's got talent. I think the one thing to use a scouting term that he's missing, and JT touched on this um, a few seconds ago, is vision. You know, sometimes backs know where the hole is going to be and they run toward it. Others have to make that hole and or, you know, just and I think we saw that with Trent Richardson, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, a few years ago, the third overall pick and and the guy, you know, you can run through holes in Alabama because the holes are that big. And he got to the NFL and he did not have good running back vision. So he would run up to the line and run up the back of one of his players. And I think that Harris, you know, and I'm not picking on Alabama backs, uh, but you know, has a little bit of that. He needs to find the holes a little bit better. But this offensive line has just failed in every facet of the game to provide holes, right? And and I think that that's something, you know, I think if you put Najee Harris on a different team that had an adequate line or an above average line, you'd see a different player. But I think he's the kind of back that needs to have solid offensive line play to be an above average player. Um you know, was he a first-round pick? Uh, it's hard to say any backs are first-round picks except for Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, Bijan Robinson recently. Um, you know, even the Jameer Gibbs thing was a, a bit of a reach. I think we can all agree at that at that 13 or whatever it was this past year, even though he, he may end up being a superstar. I just think that, you know, a guy like Najee needs help with lines, you know, and he's just not getting it. This team isn't – you know, maybe it's different down there. You know, if they start to gel like they did at the end of last season – um, he seems clearly recovered from his injury. Um, but you know, I, I can't hold this against him until I see him playing with better, a better line in front of him. And, and that just hasn't been the case during his time as a Steeler. Unfortunately, he's just not the kind of back that's going to be able to bury Sanders his way out of it or hit a fifth gear that no one else has and, and break it around the corner. And I think that Jalen Warren benefits from, um, being part of a passing game. And so, you know, uh, 
where they take Najee off the field when he's on the field, as JT pointed out very adroitly earlier, you know, they're going to run the ball. That's what they do when he's on the field. It's very predictable. Jalen Warren can run the ball, but he can also catch the ball. And I think Najee last year surprised people by his catching ability. Just the Steelers have a tendency to just, you know, it's situational football, situational football, situational football. And they put in the best guy and it just tips their hand, you know. And so you get a guy like Warren who looks great uh, on, you know, a third and 18 and he gets 16 on a swing pass. Well, that's because they were giving him 10. They don't care if he gets 10. They want the, they wanted the punt. So as long as they talk tackle him before he gets the 18th yard, um, that's okay by the defense. And and that's that's modern day NFL football. Uh, and so, you know, I think he benefits from, you know, not being the defense not being sure. Um, and that's the difference between a first round draft pick and a seventh or an undrafted free agent guy. Uh, and nothing against Jalen Warren. He's proved that he belongs in this league. I just I'm not sure he's more than a 12 carry back. He can't be bell cow either. Um, and I think Najee just has to find a way to get better vision and or better play out of this offensive line to say that he is uh, RB1. Emmett, I'm going to ask you the age-old question. Uh, running back or offensive line? What's causing the issues? Uh, uh, <laughs> a little bit of both, but the running game is not going to be a significant factor until Najee Harris realizes and understands that a primetime broadcast is for not is for Monday Night Football and not Dancing with the Stars. So uh, you know when they do give him holes, he needs to hit him, uh, which he's not doing. Uh, he's never going to be a home run hitter, but it, you know in baseball parlance, you don't need nine home run hitters. You need guys to get on base and set the table, uh, and that's what he needs to do. And, uh, you know, just to give a, a different kind of look. And when they do get into games where they are leading late, they are absolutely going to need him uh, to push the sticks. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it is the chicken and egg. Can he push the sticks if the guys can't get off the line? I still hold out hope for the offensive line more so than I do, you know, some of the wild numbers I saw predicted for, for Najee Harris for this, for this year. But again, he's, there's enough talent there. He's shown enough. He's healthy enough. He's young enough that there's more to be had there. Uh, And it's going to be a big factor on how, how deep a Steeler playoff run should it occur uh, is will be on, on his shoulders. Um, Joe, um, Kenny Pickett appeared to improve as the game went on. Um, did you find that as so, or did you think his improvement was a very limited, uh, thing in the middle at the beginning of the third quarter? Well, you know, I, I hate to say it, you know, but I, I see him more comfortable on the field. Uh, I think the game is slowing down for him, but I haven't seen the improvement that we saw in the preseason. Um, first game, he was rattled, didn't play well. Second game, I, I didn't see it. I mean, he got – I hate to say it. I mean, he got lucky on that Pickens touchdown. That was clearly a broken coverage touchdown, and Pickens turned on the Jets and scored a monster touchdown, which improved his numbers. Um, I think his connection with Allen Robinson should be exploited a little bit more. They seem to have a – you know, a, a relationship that they're finding each other on the field. I'm surprised they haven't used Austin 
in a greater capacity than they have. And they chose to go with Gunnar Olszewski, which is mind boggling to me uh, why that guy is on this team. Um, he was supposed to be a special teams demon and he, <laughs> but I don't, I don't even want to talk about it. It was like, literally, it makes no sense to me. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I'm sure he's missing Deontay Johnson. I mean, as much as I, don't think Deontay Johnson is worth the money that they're paying him. He's still the Steelers' best route runner. Uh, he may not be a dependable hands guy, but the defenses have to respect his speed, his quick twitch, his ability to, to you know, that, that he, br- he brings stuff to the game, even though he might be a poor man's Antonio Brown. It's still, he brings something there. And I just, and I don't know if it's Kenny's fault. Like, I mean, I hate to say, because we just talked about it for five minutes. The offensive line's not giving Kenny much love when it comes to stopping these two very dominant pass rushing teams in the first few weeks of the season. And, and it's not going to get any easier. You know what I mean? Next week, you know, Max Crosby and, and Tyree Wills. I can't, I mean, I, you know, I, I it's like those edge guys. I mean, I don't think Dan Moore and Chooks are going to be able to do any better against them. I mean, they are demons in their own right. And I think until Kenny gets more help, in front of him, I think this is what we're going to see. When we play down teams, like the, when we get into some of the games, the third place schedule kind of games, I, I, I think he'll do better. I just, you know, I'm waiting for him to take that next leap, this, that Steve Young every 20 game leap. And he's just not there yet, you know. And as much as I see improvement in his poise um, and clearly the way he feels for the game, um, he's still thrown behind receivers. He's still not on target. I mean, there were three or four plays there where, you know, his guys are reaching behind them or, you know, the ball's not in a position where it needs to be. And some of that, again, is a function of, of, of pressure, you know, in hurries. Uh, and I get that. I and mean, he is accurate. Uh, and then he makes beautiful throws at times. And so I think he's a work in progress getting better. Yeah. I mean, I guess, but like the first, two, I mean, outside of that Pickens touchdown, I really, it's hard to say that he's done anything really well um, in the first two games. So I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment and, you know, let's come back to that, Dave, in two more weeks and see where we are a quarter of the way through the season. All right. Emmett, uh, we'll go a, a little bit uh, further. Compare uh, Kenny week one to week two. Any improvements from what you saw? I think Joe made a very salient point in that uh, at, in the second half, uh, uh, Pickett looked a lot more comfortable. Uh, I'm not sure that he was any more efficient. Uh, and again, I don't know if that's a, a comfort, uh, if uh, you know, they, some kind of a, a, adjustment, you know, although I don't know how much adjustments you can make it at halftime. Or, and, and I know everyone obviously was focused on the, um, uh, the, the Chubb injury, but if memory serves, uh, at least one, both cornerbacks uh, left for the Browns left that game. And, and I don't know if that plays into it, that maybe he was going up against uh, some of the, the lesser guys. But uh, I would say he definitely looked better, but that's not a high bar to, 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 to get over. Uh, but um, we'll, we'll see if the continuation of the, the, of the, the confidence and the comfort extends uh, as as the season moves further along. JT, I'm going to ask you an age-old question. OC or Kenny? 
who's who's the biggest bigger culprit in in this uh, early season mess? Oh man, we're having another one of these questions. I I think the OC is making it harder on Kenny. Um, I I, I think it's a mix between the OC and the offensive line. Honestly, I mean the the kid doesn't have no time to throw the ball. Um, what these guys were talking about is true. I think uh, the first quarter of the last game, he was just as bad as he was in San Fran. But I think it was like an adrenaline thing. He came out. He wanted to make something happen on Monday night. Uh, he forced that one interception, like I said before. He should have threw a second one. Thank God it was a Cleveland Browns player on the other end. He dropped it. Um, I, I'm still – I'm not I'm not a Matt Canada fan, so I'm going to say it's, it's mostly Canada. But – I think it's Canada in the offensive lines. It's it's mixed because like um, just the play calling itself makes no sense. Friar Muth was basically non-existent in that game, and I knew that because I was playing somebody that had Friar Muth, and I thought I was done, but he didn't do anything. Um, like they were saying, one catch by Pickens was basically the that was basically his his lottery. But I did think in the second half he didn't have happy feet. He wasn't throwing the ball into coverage. Uh, he did make a couple bad throws behind behind receivers, but he wasn't like trying to take that that big risk that he was taking in the first half. I thought, like I thought the rules were going to fall off, and that's why I made that post on on Facebook about Jerkovic thought he was bad, and you know Kenny said hold my beer because that was that first quarter was rough. I thought that it was gonna I thought it was gonna go downhill from there, but he he caught himself, showed some showed some composure, some poise. I thought he looked a lot better in the second half. And and if you notice in the second half when we had the big runs too, so uh, it works hand in hand. Running game goes good. I think Pickett looks better. Pickett looks good. I think the running game will be good. I mean, it's just um, do I trust the offensive coordinator? No, I don't. I don't think um, I, I really don't trust him with an offense. Um, it's been a long time besides the exhibition games where you saw the Steelers' offense rolling um, on both sides of running and passing and um. I guess my my answer to that question is it's Matt Canada. I I blame Canada before I blame Pickett. Okay. Um, Emmett, we're talking about Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson. You think the Steeler offensive line is is going to be able to uh, help Kenny out against those guys? I I think so because. For one thing, it's it, 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 at some point pride has to kick in, and not that they're you know they didn't perform with pride uh, on Monday, but at some point you, you have to take a long hard look in the mirror and say you know my my bank account looks really nice on the second and sixteenth day of the month. Uh, it's about time I start earning that, uh, and I think uh, if the offensive coordinator and that is a major if can can find a way to scheme anything uh and you look at the rest of that defense and it it's not going to keep a lot of coordinators up at night so i am i'm cautiously optimistic uh for for an improved uh performance from the line which will translate to to a better game for Pickett. All right, JT. Um, conversely, who uh, who on the Steeler defense, other than Watt and Highsmith, impressed you last week? 
And how do you think this defense is going to be against the Raider offense? There was a, there was a couple guys late in the game. They really weren't even mentioned by the announcers, but I, I noticed their numbers and and plays they made. Um, one was Nate Herbig had a couple. Um, he had a couple of chases at the end of the game. It really wasn't told by the announcer. I saw that. And then the other guy that I really liked, and he picked up for uh, Minka Fitzpatrick getting hurt was that Elijah Riley. I thought. Um, performed pretty well in the second half with tackles and he was making plays in the box. Um, other than that, like I, I, Keanu Benton, I thought came in, did a, did a decent job. Um, I really can't say Joey Porter digs like, like we talked about earlier, the Watson passes were terrible. Um, including that last one, which should have been pass interference, but it was uncatchable. So I think that's the reason that wasn't a, a, a call on Porter to last play the game. Um, I think the defense just gets better from here. I mean, I think right now you're 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 dealing with guys that are filling in for Cam Hayward. Uh they're getting their feet wet. They're, you know, they're just start, starting to uh get into the groove of playing. They're not, you know, you're used to having your big guy out there. I think they'll they'll get better as the season goes on. I do believe in uh Cole Holcomb uh and them linebackers. I think, you know, I think it, it works hand in hand. If your defensive line's not uh, doing this job, the linebackers are going to have trouble doing their job as well as, you know, offensive linemen have a free reign in the second level. And, you know, we don't have the biggest linebackers in the world. And of course, TJ Watt and Highsmith on the outside, they're going to, they're going to keep this up. I think Highsmith is the most, might be the most underrated player in football. He's up there in the top five. I mean, he's a guy that he's getting his money. We know how important he is here, but you don't hear much about him across the NFL. He's just a guy that, performs every year he's been here and and um the, the cornerbacks i think you'll see more of porters as time goes on i think you're going to see more of um of her big coming in and out the, the spell some spell some uh spell some linebackers there and i don't know what made him coming at the end but he he had two or three plays in a row i noticed some uh chasing watson out of bonds i think the one if i ain't mistaken didn't watson grab his face mask i think he was one of the guys that got face masks so I think the rookies are slowly getting there. Um, I like to see more Broderick Jones on offense. I don't get, you know, the, the big thing I keep hearing in the media is they want to get past these three games. They want to get past these big three defensive ends, and you'll start seeing more of them. But I'm not sure that's the best idea in the world. But but to answer your question, the defense is going to be it's going to be getting it's going to keep getting better. I mean, like like Joe said, it's the most expensive uh, defense in the NFL. T.J. Watt is the best defensive player in the NFL when he's healthy. And I think him and Highsmith are about the best tandem in the NFL right now as uh, pass rushers. Um, Joe, why don't you handicap the, the Raider defense? And, and um, do you think they can be, I mean, the Browns proved to be an extremely quick defense. I mean, their speed was, was incredible. Um, San Francisco, obviously, uh, uh, top defense um, handicap the Raider defense. And do you think the Steelers can show some offensive improvement against it? Yeah. I mean, I think Emmett alluded to this earlier. I mean, the strength of that defense is it's edge rushers, you know, it's a three, four uh, complemented by Max Crosby and, and Tyree Wilson, who Wilson can play inside and outside. Um, they're using him in both those capacities in the first couple of games uh, Crosby is a maniac, you know, he's, uh, you know, a high motor guy. 
does well through the weakness is their passing game, right? And they try to address that in the offseason a bit uh, through free agency and the draft. But at the end of the day, you know, their their defense is one that if in in maybe if if we are correct in the presumption that we can scheme better for them because that's really the strength. And if we're working against those guys, we can defeat the the rest of their team through a stronger running game. This might be the game where the Steelers do have a, I don't want to use the term breakout because it might just be get a get right game, um, you know, for, for rushing. It might be one of those games where they, they perform average. And I think everyone would take that. Uh, and I also think this is a game that the Steelers, especially Pickens might have a big play or two, uh, you know, just on, on the defense and the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Jimmy G is, you know, an above average quarterback is pretty accurate injury prone. Josh Jacobs hasn't played super well the first couple of games. Part of that might be didn't have a preseason uh, with, with the holdout situation or the, or the sit in or whatever they want to call it, a hold in. Um, and then, you know, you've got Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro's kind of disappeared from the stat sheet. Uh, and uh, there's, I still think they're missing a couple of other receivers uh, to uh, not an IR situation, but they're, they're out uh, for the, for the coming week. And the trade of Darren Waller leaves them a little bit suspect at, at tight end. So I think this is an imminently winnable game. Uh, I think this is one that the Steelers, you know, do improve to two and one. I think it's a place where they, they could get, they could show improvement, on the offensive side of the ball, I think this is a place where the defense, you know, uh, could also be as dominating as they were on, on Monday night. Uh, but it is a short week and they're traveling across the country and the Raiders, as you mentioned in your opening remarks there, Dave, um, seven and six against us in recent years. And, you know, the Steelers don't always do well when they travel, you know, it's not fully the West coast is still the West coast and uh, first time there. And so we'll see, Although if I had to be, if you asked me to make a bet, I would bet on the Steelers. Okay. Well, that's going to be our, our lightning round question for our final question of the night. It's a two-parter. We'll start with JT. Steelers. Um, <laughs> there <you> Sorry. Go. <laughs> okay, man. It's okay. Um, anything that bothers you about the trip to uh, Vegas and who do you have winning this game? I'm bothered by playing the Raiders. Raiders and Jets are two teams on the on the schedule. When I see them on our schedule, I just go, oh, no. We just seem to always play horrible against um, Vegas or, or Oakland, I should say, back in the day. But um, I, I think there's going to be a guy that breaks out this game. I think it's going to be Calvin Austin. I think you're going to start seeing uh, either a return or, or a, uh, just a couple of big, long catches. I think I think the Steelers sneak one out. Um, I do worry. One thing I do worry about is Josh Jacobs. He has 26 carries for 48 yards or something. like. He's averaging 1.3 yards a carry, which – it's insanely bad. Even I don't care if you don't have you, you, you get, get and go to training camp, 26 for 48 or 43. So if I'm Josh Jacobs, I look at the Steelers defense and how they've been giving up the run almost 400 yards. I'd, I'd be like, I, you know, I'll take my chances with, with Josh Jacobs. So that, that bothers me a little bit. If we can shut him down, I think we'll have an easier win. But I think it's going to be like a 24-20 Steelers. Okay. Emmett, same question. Anything bother you about the trip? and? Who do you have as your winner? Uh, Joe allocated my three big concerns. Uh, uh, the, you know, the history of not playing well going west, uh, a short week after a very physical game, 
uh, and just the, some inexplicably bad plays made by the Steelers against the Raiders. I, I think just before we, we started the podcast, I saw Terrell Pryor still running right down Market Street here in uh, in York with a couple of Steelers chasing them. Uh, that said, I, I still think uh, the better team wins, and in my opinion, the better team is the Steelers um, because they never score more points. All right. And Joe, bring it home, man. Yeah, I mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. I think the Steelers it, – it, it would disappoint me to see the Steelers lose. Would it surprise me? No. I think they – they go in there and win. It'll be another close game, but I think both sides of the poll will just play better um, or, you know, uh, show some level of improvement uh, in the run game. And I, I, I wanted to answer one question. I know this blows the, spe- the lightning round out, uh, but, you know, you mentioned who I liked to play on defense, and it was Patrick Peterson. He was blanketing his guy. He played really well. They stopped throwing on his side of the field. I think he, he – you know, that San Francisco game, everybody got blown out, but Peterson was markedly better in game two than he was in game one, and, and I hope that trend continues. Good, good. I mean, I also have the Steelers winning 2017, close one. Um, I will have one more question for Joe before we end it. I want you to address the rumor that uh, Kenny Pickett is purposely playing bad because he feels bad uh, that America has dubbed him the pit goat quarterback. And he wants to give Danny Marino some uh, uh, some more credence because that's the kind of giving person he is. Please address that rumor. You know, I, I'll say that um, I've also heard a rumor that he has a new beer named after him. It's the Fake Slide from Southern Tier. I haven't tried it yet, uh, but I'm looking forward uh, to doing that. And and if there was something that's immortal about Kenny, Kenny leaves us with that that Fake Slide immortality I, and. I'm willing to address that. The other one, I have no comment on. Well, let me ask you this, and I want your honest answer. Does Danny Marino have a beer named after him? Does he? Does he? Danny Danny Marino was so good, he didn't need to have a beer named after him. (laughs) All right. I love it. All right, my friends. This has been a good, uh, informative uh, uh, 44 minutes and six seconds of uh, podcast here. Um, enjoyed it very much, and we'll we'll see if we're all full of crapola next week, or that we we come four and zero. So, until then, you guys have a good night. Good night, guys.